was on fucking IMDb. Hi, welcome to the Hobby Tales. I don't got a quote. I'm pissed. <laughs> fucking screaming. I'm Josh. Oh, we're starting. Okay, I'm Nick. I don't got a quote. I'm angry because I just had accidentally spoiled the final credit scene for fucking Venom to, for myself. And I'm so fucking mad. It's a dumb. It's expected. Okay. It's, it's like one of those things where like, ooh, let's drop a character. For the future. Yeah. That we may or may not that have. That we're probably not going to have because this movie looks like it sucks dick. Today we're going to be talking about Dead Space on our month of spook. Yeah, welcome back to Spooky Month. Ooh, Gary. Yeah, and, and we're going to be talking about Dead Space. Ever play the franchise? I played a little bit of the first one. It's pretty good. I remember I played the fucking shit out of the first one on like an old CRTV. <laughs> like, so back in the day, because it came out when I was in high school. Back in the day, we had set up my basement completely different. I used to have an old CRTV that was on like a movable cart. That was where that is. But I'd also set up a smaller CRTV over there because like I'd have a bunch of friends over and we'd like play Halo and stuff, but we'd just LAN it. Yeah. So I had two TVs down. I used to have two TVs in my basement. So I uh, played it on the old CRTV right there because someone else was playing something on this. And apparently I'm not allowed to use the big TV in my house. Uh, or at least that's what I thought when I was in high school. Anyway, I really fucking liked the game. I played the game, like, probably two feet from my face, so it was fine. I Yeah, you're good. Yeah, my eyes are fine. Uh, so, yeah, I was, uh, I really liked the first one. Remember the second one coming out and watching someone else play it and laughing my ass off on it? <laughs> because everyone else was getting scared, and I'm like, this is dumb as shit. <laughs> that night, like, we had, like, all the lights out. We were, like, spooky game time. And it was then, a spooky game. And I remember playing through the game, it was real quiet, and I went, bah! Everyone got real spooked, and I just laughed. Good. Uh, anyway, uh, this is not going to be dealing with the second one. I just realized how cool my Wario and Waluigi and me was like. Yeah, they give him like thumbs up. Yeah, they're fucking in on me. They're supportive as shit. They're like you, you, you record that podcast. Yeah, you go, guys. One of us is in Smash. <laughs> I um. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, so this is going to be dealing with the first one. Uh, and let's just jump into it, said Philip DeFranco on the Navi Tales podcast. Yeah. Much like Minecraft, this entire game is about mining and zombies. It begins above the mining planet Aegis 7, where a distress signal is sent out by the ship UG USG Ishimura. Can't fucking say my letters in order, but I can pr pronounce Ishimura. Yeah. Priorities. The signal was picked up by the Concordance Extraction Corporation, which dispatched the USG Kellyan to assist. However, as the Kellyan is approaching the Ishimura, an issue with the automatic docking system happens and damages the Kellyan. With that chip damage, the crew goes over to the Ishimura to see what's going on and if they can lend any aid to the now busted ship. As they step foot into the Ishimura, they see that looks mostly abandoned. While they explore the ship, the crew's engineer and protagonist Isaac Clark and some others enter the flight lounge. Here, Clark is split up from the group and locked down because of a quarantine. Suddenly, the necromorphs break in. 
Corporals Johnston and Chen are killed while the two survivors of the attack, Zach Hammond and Kendra Daniels, flee, urging Isaac to run. The defenseless Isaac is forced to run for his life through a hallway before escaping his pursuers through an elevator. He later manages to find a weapon and make contact with Hammond and Kendra through a window. Hammond, realizing many ship systems are failing, including the anti-asteroid uh, defenses, recognizes the threat posed by a nearby asteroid belt and sends Clark throughout the ship to repair its core systems so they may live. He also promises to help Isaac find his girlfriend, Nicole Brennan, an Ishimura medical worker seen at the beginning of the game in a strange video received by Isaac. Indeed, Clark's sole reason for taking this mission was to visit her. After restoring the Ishimura's tram system, Clark returns to the flight lounge to repair the Kellyan, but before he can begin, the creatures attack the shuttle and it explodes, its wreckage plummeting to the bottom of the hangar bay. As he explores, he finds messages left by the crew that kind of shed a light on what's actually been happening on the Ishimura. The ship's captain, Benjamin Mathias, was actually an agent of the Church of Scientology. Sorry, Unitology. A large and influential religious cult. I think I was right before. Yeah. You might have been. You might have had it the first time. Oh, man. We're going to get fucking sued. (laughs) (laughs) Assigned to retrieve one of the religion's holiest relics, known as the Red Marker from Aegis 7, a planet quarantined for undisclosed reasons many years ago by the Earth government. Disregarding the quarantine, the CEC had performed a mineralogical analysis on the planet revealing it to be extraordinarily rich in resources. While establishing a planet-side colony to aid in mineral extraction, CEC employees discovered the red marker, and the unitologists among the crew passed the clandestine information to the church. The church and captain quickly replaced or won over many of the Ishimura's ranking medical and science officers, with the upper echelon of the ship in unitologist hands, and records of the mining operation already confidential due to the Aegis 7's quarantine, the unitologists seized the opportunity to capture the marker, planning to discover the secrets of human creation, evolution, and purpose they believed lie within. Um, so I've been listening to a podcast on Scientology. Oh, good. I also just recently listened to a podcast on Flat Earth, so I've been telling people gravity isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) I've been telling people gravity and height are both not real. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How's that? Well, because when you look, it's like that big. What? The Earth is that big? No, no, no. Which part? I asked, how does gravity not exist? No, it's just, like, how are the things on the shelf staying up? Because they're mounted to the wall. Oh, how do the things on the shelf? You mean yeah. the, the figures? Yeah, if, if gravity was real, wouldn't they fall to the ground? No. No, yeah, that's how gravity works. No. Yeah, because, like, look, they're up in the air. Obviously, gravity's not real. They're up in the air. But they're resting on something. No, look, they're up in the air. I swear to God, this is the argument! I swear to God, this is the argument! Sorry for your ears. Do you know how fucking mad I was? The entire time. Josh, I think I have an idea. Wait until it gets to the part where, like, the Earth's flat. Like, the Earth's flat. Yep. You look over the horizon, it's flat. Sure. That's, it's, that's why it's flat. Okay. 
how is it how do you explain night and day um the the sun and the moon are about 300 feet above us they just kind of do that they they just move over so you so the the moon block 3000 feet not 300 so the the moon blocks the sun and that's why we have nighttime is that what no, you're no 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 it just like goes over there you would still see it yeah the moon blocks the sun that's a lunar eclipse no, no, no. That's, that's a solar, the, you're sorry, thinking, solar eclipse. Sorry, you're thinking the anti-moon? <clears throat> that's what causes a solar eclipse, please. You're right. <laughs> and my favorite part is when you try to say they're wrong, they just come up with this bullshit or say, that's what you've been told by the government. Right. It's like a cult, except no one fucking benefits and everyone is angry all the time. <laughs> I've started arguing for flat earth just because it pisses people off. Good. It's entirely based on what you can physically see, plus a bunch of made-up bullshit. It's like it's like a religion, but it's only based on what you can see. Good. Are we doing a podcast? Uh, yeah, something like that. <laughs> the marker gets extracted and brought to the Ishimura, which expectedly causes some shit. The civilians, first planet side and then on the ship, started to suffer from extreme uh, hysteria and paranoia that were caused by incredibly violent hallucinations. Though the medical teams at each location screened for diseases and distributed sedatives, the crew's agitation could not be contained for long and the outbreak of the paranoia evolved into mass homicidal, homicidal and suicidal impulses. Though believed to be caused by proximity to the marker, colonists had no idea how or why this occurred. Despite this, the hysteria was kept under control until Planet Crack commenced a week later. Planet Crack is when they would literally crack open a planet to mine it, similar to a geode in elementary school. Immediately after Planet Crack, the colony's power went out, and the unknown organisms began ravaging the colony, infecting the bodies of the dead and turning them into necromorphs. Abominations that killed and infected dead bodies in order to spread the infestation. When reports of this reached the Ishimura, Captain Matthias cut off all ship colony traffic and communications to prevent the infection from reaching his ship. The chief science officer, Dr. Terence Kine, urged Captain Matthias to halt the extraction and send out a distress signal, but as they were in a restricted system, Matthias refused becoming ever more focused on delivering the marker to the church, even at the expense of his own crew's safety. Kine, believing the decision irrational and the captain buckling under the pressure of his loyalties to the church and CEC, attempted to relieve the captain of his duty under maritime law. Matthias refused to comply, spouting fanatically about heresy. Kine, attempting to sedate the captain, told him to be still, but Matthias, struggling violently, was killed by Kine in the scuffle, the syringe missing his neck and rammed through his eye socket. <clears throat> kind of metal, but it's not March Metal Month, so. Yeah, we already did that. We gotta wait for next year. I have no idea what we would do this year. <laughs> I know. I'm just... I mean, I'm sure I could pull something out of my ass, but I want it to be good. Yeah, it was probably a one-time thing, but... Goddamn, was it ridiculous? <laughs> it was ridiculous. While Kine did not appear to want to kill the captain, and the death may have been a freak accident, may also have been a momentary loss of control, as the marker on the ship 
caused the same homicidal paranoia experienced on the colony. The infection then spread to the Ishimura via a colony shuttle piloted by a survivor unaware a necromorph had entered the shuttle prior to takeoff. The shuttle crashed into the docking bay, allowing the creatures to escape into the Ishimura's ventilation system and begin killing and infecting its inhabitants. Shortly thereafter, all of the emergency shuttles and escape pods of the Ishimura were remotely launched, all empty. Furthermore, the communications array became damaged either by the same saboteurs or by the creatures beginning to rampage through the ship. In an attempt that claimed her life, a member of the Ishimura security team was able to launch a distress beacon, which was picked up by the CEC, who then dispatched the Kellyan. Hours later, the distress signal was picked up by the Earth government military, which dispatched a special operations team to deal with the suspected outbreak and perform search and rescue. When the Kellyan arrived, the Ishimura almost completely fell to the necromorphs. Though Hammond stated he was unaware of the marker's role in everything, Daniels confided to Clark she believed Hammond was lying. Clark later encountered his girlfriend, Nicole, though they could not meet directly. She was behaving strangely. With the critical systems repaired, Hammond, Clark, and Daniels are able to launch a beacon for rescue, attracting a nearby military ship called the USM Valor. However, the Valor picks up an escape pod launched by Hammond containing a necromorph, becomes overrun with the creatures, and crashes into the ship. Hammond deduces from the heavy military equipment that they found on board that the Valor was actually assigned to destroy the Ishimura, suggesting someone outside Aegis 7 knew that about the alien threat. The group decide they must find a shuttle and escape while they can. Clark and Hammond retrieve the Valor's power core in order to repair an available shuttle, but Hammond is killed by a necromorph in the process. The surviving kind later contacts Clark, urging him to return the marker to Aegis 7. He reveals in a video that a large creature controlling all the necromorphs, known as the Hive Mind, escaped from. Hmm. Of course, there's a Hive Mind. Escaped after. Fucking don't start. That's exactly what I thought. I went, oh, good. Another fucking Hive Mind. I love it. Because they're really weird and so alien. Except they're on fucking Earth, so I don't get it. He reveals in a video that a large creature controlling all the necromorphs, known as the Hive Mine, escaped after Planet Crack and began infecting the colony. He believes the marker actually acts as an inhibitor, rendering the Hive Mine dormant as long as it remained on the planet. The Hive Mine's dormancy would render the other necromorphs dormant. He concludes the only way to stop the creature for good is to return the marker to the planet. After Clark assists him in loading the marker onto the shuttle, Kine is murdered by Daniels, who reveals the truth behind everything. She is a government operative ordered to retrieve the marker for her superiors. It is a reverse-engineered copy of another marker found on Earth and had been placed on Aegis 7 hundreds of years ago by the government so scientists could study its effects. These scientists discovered that the pattern covering the surface of the marker was the DNA code for the necromorph infection. The newly created infection escaped, began to kill and transform the doctors, and soon the original colony fell. But the doctors successfully edited the marker into an inhibitor and activated it. With the doctors dead and the infection locked away, the government marked Aegis 7 as off-limits and abandoned the planet. 
The planet-cracking operation was in fact a joint mission by the CEC and government to retrieve the marker leading up to the present events. Daniels then left on the shuttle without Clark, but Nicole arrives and is able to help him recall it, prompting Daniels to flee via an escape pod. Clark takes the shuttle with the marker to the colony, replacing it there, briefly pacifying the hive mind, but also disrupting the gravity tethers, holding a large portion of the planet several miles off the surface, threatening to destroy the colony. How's it doing that if gravity doesn't exist? Well, because gravity doesn't exist. Right, so how's that doing that? Well, it exists in other places, just not here. Oh, okay. Thanks. I'm here to help, proud to serve. As Clark attempts to escape, Daniels appears, taking the marker back to the shuttle, once again removing the dead space field, pacifying the hive mine. Three fully recovered transmission. She shows Clark that Nicole actually committed suicide well before they arrived at the Ishimura. The marker is somehow sentient, and has been using the visions of Nicole in an attempt to affect its return to the planet. Before she can leave, Daniels is killed by the gigantic hive mine, which Clark manages to defeat. Leaving the marker behind, Clark flies off in the shuttle just before the rock crashes into the planet, ravaging the surface of Aegis 7. As he sets a course away from Aegis 7, Nicole's suicide video plays. Clark stops it, then simply stares into space. He's suddenly attacked by what seems to be an apparition of Nicole in necromorph form. The screen suddenly covered in strange runes, and Nicole screaming, then cuts to black and static. Throughout the game, we encounter several different kinds of necromorphs. Now we're going to tackle uh, some of them. When we do the sequels, we'll tackle more of them. Uh, the slasher is created from a single human corpse and is one of the more common necromorphs encountered in a typical outbreak. The slasher is named for its specialized arms, which sport sharp blade-like protrusions of bones. These arms are sometimes created by altering the host's original arms, while in others the slasher's arms are entirely new appendages sprouting from the shoulder blades. These blades are the slasher's main weapon, but they are also used as means of stabilizing the creatures. Combined with the slasher's raw strength, the blades are capable of easily dismembering most victims. The bones of the feet are fused and lengthened while the heel bone is extended almost parallel to the angle of the sole, forming a sharp peg that aids in balance. While this modified foot may aid the creature in rapidly crawling through vents and running, it results in an unstable gait while walking, and as such, slashers have difficulty holding their balance without constantly moving their slashing limbs as counterweights. Slashers will make different noises depending on their current situation with certain sounds indicating specific actions. Flashers that have not spotted the player will periodically make gurgling and choking sounds. They will also make these sounds when sneaking behind an unsuspecting player. Upon spotting the player, these sounds are accompanied by menacing bellows and roars. When beginning a charge, slashers emit a roar followed by angry, rhythmic yelling, which continues for the duration of the charge. Knowledge of these noises can be used to identify a slasher's status before it is seen, allowing the player to respond uh, accordingly. Most different slasher types have their own distinct set of sounds, and telling them apart can be invaluable in identifying the particular form that the player is fighting. I just thought this was cool because I didn't know any of this shit. Yeah, it's pretty fucking dope. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I only dove into a couple of them, uh, but there's a lot of different kinds of necromorphs. 
I, but this one I dove into some real creepy weird ones. Pregnants appear to be created from a single human corpse, albeit one that has been radically mutated. The skull's lower jaw has been detached, and what appears to be tentacles now hang from the mouth. This necromorph sports two massive arms coming from its back, each ending in a large bone-like scythe, which is used to slash and render an opponent in the same manner as a slasher does. The host's human arms appear fused into the massive sac that has developed on the torso. The sac hosts smaller necromorphs inside of it. When heavily damaged, pregnants tend to claw open their abdominal sacs in order to release their spawn in an effort to ensure their victim's demise. Their abdominal sacs usually host swarmers, but sometimes they may carry deadlier payloads of necromorphs, including lurkers, as well as small creatures composed of miscellaneous body parts identical to those that come from dividers. We'll get into all of those at another time. Um, one of the things that I remember about this game is that there's a, a part in a nursery where someone picks up this child and that just like explodes on them. And it's like a child necromorph. And then you're like attacked by a bunch of babies gross. that are necromorphs. And I'm like, wow, this is fucking gross and yeah. fucked up. The hunter physically resembles a slasher, possessing large blades that are attached to a pair of elongated arms jutting out from its shoulder blades. It is noticeably bulkier and taller than the standard slasher, and its original arms appear to be bound inside the flesh of its torso, similar to a straitjacket. Unlike other forms of necromorphs, it is able to regenerate lost limbs in seconds, meaning that conventional dismemberment tactics only served to temporarily incapacitate it. The hunter's voice can be compared to a deep, throaty roar, as it is opposed to the slasher's usual form of screaming and shouting. Just like other regenerating and enhanced necromorphs, the hunter's eyes are glowing, although not as strongly as the other regenerators. The victim's jaw is gone, with four tentacle-like veins hanging in place, along with the neck frozen into a 45-degree angle. The big toes severely enlarged into sharp claws. The body is greatly covered in muscular tissue with no original skin left due to the mutation. Pieces of different bone can be seen pointing at different body parts. Uh, the spine and pelvis bone can be seen at the back. This thing, I remember this thing. That's why I put it in there. It's fucking terrifying. You're basically being attacked by, like, this human raptor. And, it, like, you were like, because one of the big things they teach you really early on in, in the game is, like, dismember. Because, like, if you just shoot it, like, a bunch of times, it'll fall down and then stand back up. So, like, cut off limbs. So, like, you do that originally to this thing, just starts regrowing them. I'm like, oh! Oh, no, you no, no! No, you're not supposed to be doing that! You're cheating. Hey, you're cheating. Can't do that. The Leviathan was a massive amorphous necromorph encountered in the USG uh, Ishimura's food storage facility during the outbreak aboard the vessel. The Leviathan collided with the USG Ishimura while drifting through space. It made its way into the hydroponics deck of the ship and barricaded itself in the food storage facility. Shortly after, the tracks of the corruption began to spread at an exponential rate in close proximity to the Leviathan and proceeded to overtake much of the deck. 
The shipboard oxygen levels became critical as a result, and with the creation of poison-exuding necromorphs known as Weezers, the hydroponics deck became unable to support human life. A crew member encountered the beast and dubbed it with its name. Hammond also encountered the Leviathan as the hydroponics deck lost all the breathable air. Shortly after this, Clark, advised about the Leviathan by Kendra Daniels, arrived on the deck and was informed by Hammond about the creature's whereabouts. Clark was successful in cleansing the air on the deck and also mixing a poisonous substance uh, capable of killing the beast. However, the poison was short of truly effective and Clark was compelled to solve the matter by force, entering the food storage area, which the poison granted Clark access to by weakening the Leviathan to some extent. Clark threw arms and killed the creature, just like this big motherfucker. Finally, we have the hive mind. Initially seen on a blurried video shown by Dr. Terence Kine and worshipped as a divine being by an insane scientist named Dr. Chalice Mercer. The hive mind appeared to be controlling the intelligence of the necromorphs in the Aegis 7 system. The hive mind was unwittingly created as a result of military testing on the experimental marker 3A over two centuries prior to the events of Dead Space on the remote planet of Aegis 7. When the marker proved to be too dangerous to wield as a weapon, further experimentation with it was aborted and it was used one last time in order to suppress the hive mind, which was a massive necromorph. The hive mind retreated into a massive complex cave system underneath the surface for the next 200 years. The marker was also abandoned somewhere next to the creature's resting place. So, so that's just kind of some of the necromorphs as well as the plot for the first game. Uh, there's, I think, two other games with them getting less scary each time and more let's shoot some aliens. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's how they went. Yeah, because scary games don't sell, apparently. Apparently. Even though, like, it's one of the biggest genres of games. Because it is the only thing that can truly scare people like me. Because, like, I watch a horror movie and I'm like, oh, that's fun. Uh, but I watch, I play a spooky game and I'm like, oh, wow, that spooked me. I am spooked. Uh, but that's all I got for Dead Space. Um, as we like to do every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? So, I've been trying to finish Hollow Knight. Uh, I'm on the God Master DLC. I think that's what it's called. It's God something. I think it's called God Master. Or it's essentially a, a, or a God King. Like <clears throat> yeah. No. Um, it's essentially like uh, boss rushes. You fight pantheons of enemies. And I'm stuck on the third pantheon because uh, the second half of it is fucking outrageous. Uh, just like the the bosses you have to fight in a row and while maintaining health and for all intents and purposes, purposes magic uh, to continue to the end. And then you fight uh, the shopkeeper at the end and he has a giant fucking sword. Basically, he has the buster sword and he's really fucking small. Um, so he's just impossible to hit because he's really small and he has a giant fucking sword. So he's just a bitch to fight. So, by the time you get to him, if you can make it there with good health and good magic, he's a fucking ass to fight. But, like, it pisses me off because, like, so, like, you fight five bosses, you get a rest to, like, heal, uh, like, you get a bench, and then you fight five more. The first half is so fucking easy, like, I'm just tired of doing it because you have to do 
all 10 in a row, but the first half is just so fucking easy, and then the second half is what I struggle with. So I'm trying to do that, but uh, when I got mad at that, I started The Messenger, which is another indie game. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. It's uh, kind of like Ninja Gaiden-y, uh, but I'm really enjoying it. It's very humorous. Uh, it's very fourth wally, uh, especially with the shopkeeper who's uh, like this mysterious figure in a robe and his shop is like in another dimension. So like the sa- at the save point, sometimes there'll be a portal and you can go in to his like shop. It's just like in another dimension. And like you can, uh, you can upgrade there, like upgrade yourself there. Like you have a skill tree and you can choose to chat with him about certain stuff. So you can talk to him about like you go into a new level, you can talk to him about the new level. If you're right before a boss, you can talk to him about the boss that you're about to fight. And you can ask him sometimes to tell you stories. <clears throat> so it's very <clears throat> fourth wally uh, with its jokes. So, you know, every time there's a, you're about to fight a boss, there's a save point with a door that you can go into. And there's two uh, lanterns a la Castlevania. Mm. You can hit them and they'll drop health or items. Um, so. You go, you're in, like, a, I forget what the area was, but you're in this place, and when you first walk into that place and you talk to the shopkeeper about the place, he's like, oh, like, this, this is, like, one of the nicest places you'll visit on your journey. Like, enjoy your vacation, pretty much. <laughs> so then you get to this, you get to the final save point for a boss, because it looks like it's for a boss, and you go and ask about the boss, and he's like, what are you talking about? There's no boss. He's like, but the... But there's a there's a safe point with two lanterns on either side. Like, there's got to be a boss next. And he's like, did did you hear what I said at the beginning? Like, this place is basically a vacation. Like, there's no boss. Here. You you're gonna fight a boss on your, your vacation, and then you walk out and you just walk and there's no boss and you just walk into the That's next area. That's fucking amazing. Um. So it's just shit like that, and it's like you co- you collect fucking like crystal things and you use those to to upgrade yourself. So, like, at a certain point, he's like, your character's like, oh, what are these things that I'm grabbing? And the shopkeeper's like, oh, so you're, uh, grab the mysterious weird things first and ask questions later, huh? <laughs> oh, look, it's my D&D party. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and, I mean, it's fun to play. I know I got to a, so you're, like, carrying a message, uh, scroll up a mountain, and you just got to, like, like, pretty much near the top of the mountain. And he's like, oh, I was talking to the shopkeeper, and he's like, oh, you're almost, I'm almost done with my journey. And he's like, huh, you didn't watch the trailer, did you? And he, go, he goes, what? He goes, never mind. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, and I know, like, the, the cool thing this game does, which I'm, I'll talk about when I get to that point. But, yeah, I'm having a blast with this game, so I'd recommend it if it seems up anybody's alley. Um, in Pokemon Go terms, uh, world, I got a Deoxys. Fuck you. And I think that's about it. I think that was the biggest thing that happened. The Kanto events over, so we're back to generic. Boring shit. Gen. But we're uh, getting like a psychic event where like we're getting like a boost to all psychic type that are showing yeah, up. Yeah, which is dope because I need. I would be down to get a Metagross in that time. Uh, I mean, the next. Uh, community day is Metagross. Dude, I'm gonna get so many. Which is fucking great, because shiny Metagross is, like, one of the coolest shinies. Oh, yeah. Purple? No, it's... No, it's... It's gray with, yeah. uh, and it's excess gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's it. silver, whatever. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's that's about it. Yeah, we're gonna have a psychic event, which is dope because I need to. More oh, it'd also be nice to get an Alakazam, and Abras are getting boosted. Yeah, Alakazam's one of the best attackers. Uh, um, it'd be good for you to get a Gardevoir because Gardevoir is really yeah. good, and for me to save up on Rolt candies for Gallade because I'm at the point where I'm just saving up for Gen Four. Um, so that's me. How about you? Uh, I really haven't been playing video games reading a lot because fucking i'm an educated motherfucker um and by reading a lot i mean going through dnd books old new whatever uh homebrews that kind of shit um but uh i have been playing dead by daylight as you saw when you walked in uh it is october after all and i have been feeling like playing horror games but like like not like horror games like fucking dead space like horror games like let's just kill some motherfuckers as Freddy Krueger. So, so yeah, it's just like games with a horror theme, uh, which is always really fun. I've also been wanting to play some Killing Floor 2 because they always do a Halloween event, which is always really funny. Um, but I, I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet. Uh, yeah, in, in D&D, that's literally all I've been playing. <laughs> and that's it. It's, it's, I've been playing one game and wanting to play another. In, um, in D&D Corner, uh, we, um, woke up after getting, or we, we, you woke up after getting your asses kicked in, by Strahd in Velaki, escaped Velaki after our fucking paladin fell a couple times. Cause he's so, so we, dense. we had a roll stealth to, to leave Velaki because the, the new burger master was looking for us and therefore the guards were looking for us. So we wanted to stealth out of the town. So we all rolled stealth. We all rolled really good. Our fucking paladin rolled a like two. Uh, so <laughs> he was like, he's like, he's like, what, what am I gonna be stealthy? I got a raven. I got a crow. I'm gonna fly out of here. He, he's a gnome and he has a giant crow as a mount. So he uh, he he flew. He tried to fly away on his crow and he rolled for that and got like another two. Uh, so he was shot out of the sky and had to fight some guards. The only reason he survived that fall, oh yeah, because was uh, because our dragonborn caught him because she rolled okay. Yeah, uh, so the two of them fought guards, and then we eventually all got out of Alaki. Um, and then we we went to uh, Lake Zarovich mm-hmm. uh, because we were our our ranger was told to go there for uh, our our guide. So he went there, and we found uh, a figure in the middle of a lake on a boat uh, with a sack. And this is where th- our insanity kicked in. But uh, our- we got distracted for like a half hour based on just me saying sack. It was the worst. Yeah. Um, so our paladin threw a spear at the figure and killed him. Because lawful good paladin? Because lawful good paladin, let's just throw a spear at a random figure in the middle of the lake um and he's slowly degenerating it's great so we uh got the sack and there was a little kid inside and um arabella arabella and she was feisty yeah so then you went arabella brought you to uh the vistani camp because yep. she's vistani um where her father was super hyped let you guys go on a shopping spree where you guys bought a load of shit um <laughs> All of you did. Yeah, the Paladin bought a battering ram, and then he's a tinkerer, so he combined it to the front of his shield. So now he can bash people with a shield, and it's great. Uh, the ranger bought scimitars. The rogue thought she could get one over on me. And uh, you 
you and the uh, bard just bought uh, holy water. Yeah. Um, and then you also got to pick a gift from his, uh, his personal personal treasures. Yep. And you unwrapped it, and inside it was Piddlewick the Second. And if you know anything about the Curse of Strahd campaign, he is a animated doll that's law like neutral evil. Yeah. He just wants to kill things. Um, I know that the book says he can't talk, but I make my Piddlewick talk because it's hilarious and depressing. Yeah, he's uh, super depressed. He's just this super depressed evil robot boy. Um, and then you were given a quest to go to a winery, which has been taken over by druids, and that's where we ended for the night. Well, we went to the we went to the winery. Um, and on our way there, we had to fight a spider. Um, yeah, I'm 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 pulling from uh, some stuff on DMs Guild uh, for that. It's the haunts, um, the haunts expansion for DMs Guild. It's really great for Chris Strahd. Uh, yeah, so we we fought a spider, but the more important thing is that we got the giant spider web. Oh my god, I forgot about this. Fuck. And um, we were we were so like our paladin was like, I wanna I wanna take the take the spider web down with my trident, like twirl it like cotton candy. And he goes, uh, so Josh goes, okay, you got spider silk. And he goes, how much? And he goes, about 100 feet of it. And he goes, it's like, it's really strong because it's a big spider. And I was like, oh my God, we got to give it to Piddlewig and combine it with him because he's a construct and make him Spider-Man. <laughs> so we literally gave uh, Piddlewig's web shooters. Well, you're going to. You haven't made yeah, it Yeah, we haven't done it yet, but we're going to give him web shooters. So, so yeah, and, and I'm a full, fully on fucking board for Piddlewig, the Spider-Man. Yeah, which is just fucking outrageous and great. So we continued on. We got to the winery. There was a bunch of uh, uh, needle boys and... Uh, blights, needle blights. And uh, a figure, a druid figure. And we, I burned them all to a crisp. Including our paladin. Including our paladin, because uh, he was really close to them. Uh, and then we went inside, and there was some more blights and a lady, and we killed all those. And that's pretty much where we ended. Yeah. You're, you're still in the winery, and uh, Megan, is our, our fucking ranger, is not going to let you guys leave until she gets a staff that controls them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she really wants a blight. I, I'm allowing it. I'm going to allow her to have it, because uh, to kind of fix the problem of spoilers, you're going to have to break the staff, which isn't that hard. It's pretty ton notes in there. Uh, if you break the staff, the blights will die. However, I'm going to allow Megan to have the staff reattuned to her. It'll be weaker, as in not spawning an army, but spawning one. Um, but it, it'll, it'll make her happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. So, yeah. Uh, that was fun. Um, in my uh, recommendations for the week... Uh, I've been kind of stuck on the concept of playing a Mind Flayer uh, Necromancer. Uh, mind Flayers, if you know D&D lore, are uh, attached to a Hive Mind, but you could always play a Rogue Mind Flayer. And uh, they could be Rogue because they were kicked out for being attuned to Arcane Magic, because Mind Flayers also hate Arcane Magic and only use Psionic. Um, and my logic behind this Mindfire Necromancer, I keep thinking Necromorph, it's killing me. <laughs> my logic behind this Arcane Necromancer is they're very angry of getting kicked out of their family and is going to raise an army of the dead to attack their fucking family. <laughs> Good. 
So, uh, and also the part of my inspiration for it is there is a version of the uh, Mind Flayer called the Alahum, uh, which is a version of Lichdom. They're they're literally fucking illithid liches. Um, and there's even a version if they get true Lichdom, like the the traditional way, they're called illithiches. <laughs> and uh yeah, it's it's I just think it'll be a really cool idea. There's there's a bunch of homebrews out there for it. Um or you could just make your own. Welcome to 5e. Yeah. Um so yeah, I've been kind of like really feeling that idea recently. Uh until next time, check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi and Spotify. I was going to get to that at Navi underscore tales again at Navi underscore tales. We are also now on Spotify. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your pastor, tell your rabbi, tell your grandma, tell your grandma, um, tell your, uh, fucking tell your weird neighbor down the street. Yeah, we'd love it's it's we uh, he fucking Nick goes. I want to see something cool and sends me a screenshot of us on Spotify and I go, oh dude, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, we're we're on Spotify now. Check us out. Tell people Spotify is way more accessible to most people. Yeah. Uh, because it's just an easier uh kind of system yeah, to use. A lot of people have it just for music. Yeah. So now they can listen to us. So there's no excuses. No excuses. We're on everything. Yeah. Uh, so yeah um, recommend us check us out send us pictures of your dogs we'll see you next time <laughs> bye love you much like Minecraft this entire game is about mining and zombies alright but seriously I wrote that down I wrote alright but seriously wow down. what am I a fucking my dad um, the joke was good the joke landed the response to that didn't and I'm mad at it <laughs> Let's start this over. <laughs> From the top. You can put this in, in the after thing, because I think it works really well. In the after time. And I'll be the, the, the after times. <laughs> Welcome to the after times. The post credit scene. Yeah, this is, this is our post credit scene. This is our post credit scene, where insert character here shows up at the end of insert superhero movie here. Yeah. We're going to tease insert villain here for... 10 movies. Yeah, we're going to... 10 gonna, podcasts. We're going to just... I, um... It begins above the mining planet, Aegis 7. There you go. <laughs> no, numbers are hard. <laughs> Fucking Roman numerals are hard, says the history major. <coughs> My glasses are so fucking dirty. You're dirty, boy. <clears throat> Spank. <laughs> Jesus. It's like last night all over again. Oh my god. That was a mess. But in the best possible way. Dude, I still <laughs> love your fucking Fitbit joke. <laughs> You're welcome. I you fucking like broke. Dude, I like you like I've seen I laughed you... so hard you could hear the developing lung cancer. <laughs> I, like I've seen you lose your shit and laugh, but like you fucking had to like stand up because you were like breaking. It was it was a mix of realizing, so, so I'm assuming this is going to end up in the post. Um, yeah. We, when playing D&D, we were talking about um, womanly doctors. Yeah. Um, and so half of our D&D group is women, half of our D&D group is men. Um, the women were all being really supportive and helpful with it. And the three of us were just making the crudest jokes. Yeah. Um, 
finally bro said like it started like because like bro was like oh I, I can do that like i can be a i can be a doctor and then he was just like he made like the motion of like opening a curtain <laughs> <laughs> and going yeah it's all good in here and josh was like that's not how that moves <laughs> and then josh goes i swear i was wearing gloves when i, when I started this and then I do, I do the same motion of like, you just sterilized your hands. Yeah. So you're holding them straight up. And I go, I think I lost my Fitbit, but it's still saying I'm, I'm, I'm counting steps or like I'm taking steps. Yeah. I just lost my Fitbit, but it still says I'm taking steps. Oh man. But like before that, we were just going back and forth with really bad jokes. I had a wedding band on when I went in there. Things like that. I swore I was wearing a watch. Yeah. But like the, the one that broke me was... I had a Fitbit on before, and it says I'm still taking steps. I was just... It fucking destroyed me. Oh, well, and, and it was like that and realizing, because like right before that I'd realized like half the table is being really serious right now, and yeah. half the table is being really crude right now, and it's completely split by gender because they've dealt with it and we haven't. Yeah. Oh, it was great. <sighs> Corporal, <clears throat> let me not do that with sighing. Ah, <sighs> Corporal Johnston. You're so handsome. Oh. What the fuck was you and me and my Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> the fucking commercial. Um, recognizes the threat posed by a nearby at a nearby. Recognizes the threat posed by a nearby. What the fuck? <laughs> near boy near boy near boy hey come here boy come here near boy <laughs> disregarding the quarantine the cec had performed a mineralogical mineralogical though believed to be caused by proximity to the maker marker speed marker you fucking loser i know <laughs> the shuttle <laughs> sorry that was like sitting in my throat for the longest fucking time. It was like painful. It's fine. I mean, you put up with all my stomach stuff. You dear. Furthermore, the communications array became damaged either by some saboteurs or. What the fuck came out of my mouth? By the same, but okay. You just gurgled. You yeah. sound like me. You legitimately sound like my stomach right now. Except it was my fucking throat. That's what happens to me all the time. <coughs> Furthermore, the communications array became damaged. By either the same saboteurs. That was a good vape. Or the fuck. <laughs> you. <laughs> Furthermore. Josh is a piece of shit. <laughs> in conclusion. And Josh, in conclusion. Josh sucks big dick. Josh sucks big dick. This Not that there's anything bad with sucking dick. Some of the best people I've ever met have sucked my dick. <laughs> okay. I don't know what's wrong with me. Oh, fuck. We felt like this last night, too. Yeah, I think we all felt like this last night. I don't know what's wrong. <clears throat> Why am I being cute? Is that what you call it? Oh, fucking hell. I need my phone. Eh, fuck it, I'm mad at it. still boiled venom for me. <laughs> it's the phone's fault. In an attempt to... In an attempt... Wait, wait. Now it's my turn for my stomach to be a problem.
One more. <coughs> We're just full of gross noises. We are. I'm fucking coughing and making noises <sighs> like you. You just making noises like normal. That. We should just have a gross noise ASMR podcast. <laughs> that, that was a spicy meatball. <laughs> Literally. Hammond deduces from the heavy matillery. Mil- military. Mil- matillery. Mil- what matillery. the fuck is what that? What the fuck is a matillery? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <clears throat> Hammond deduces from the heavy... <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you fucking yuckster. I know. Hammond deduces from the heavy matillery. I quit podcasting. Oh, I'm done forever. Hammond deduces from the heavy military equipment. Fuck off. (laughs) Hammond deduces from the heavy (laughs) matillery. Matillery now in this podcast. (laughs) Oh, Lord, help us all. (laughs) Hammond deduces from the heavy military equipment that that found on board. Oh, fuck. I don't know how to type. It was found on board. I like how, like, we get that far and there's an actual... <laughs> there's an actual fucking mistake in the sentence. Hammond deduces from the heavy military equipment that they found on board. <laughs> I can't wait till this fucking cough goes away. <laughs> holy wait, fucking shit. I can't shit. wait till we're done with this fucking sentence. <laughs> Me too, but holy fucking shit. <laughs> Hammond deduces... Fucking... <laughs> Now it's just ridiculous. Now it's just we're at the point of ridiculousness. I don't know where my cough comes from. No fucking clue. <laughs> Walk through it with me. Hammond. Hammond. Deduces. Deduces. From. From. The. The. Heavy. Heavy. This is a tough one. Military. M- millipede. Matillery. <laughs> Matilda. <laughs> the surviving kind later contacts Clark, urging him to what the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> I think that whole fucking thing gave me the giggles. Oh god, he's a giggly <laughs> little boy. Ooh.